everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today on episode number 136 of the Real Life Runners podcast. So while much of the world is still locked down, stuck at home, quarantined, social distancing, there's a lot of that going on. In the last couple episodes, we talked about some of the mental and social benefits of continuing to run and maintain that during this time. Today, we're going to look at more of the practical aspects and talk a little bit more about how to do this safely and effectively. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. Okay, so for the past few episodes, we've been addressing the current world situation and why running is so important. We've been talking a lot about the mental aspects of it, how to motivate ourselves during this time, and kind of looking more of the big picture of running in our lives, why it's so important, what kind of goals we should be setting during this time. It's kind of that big picture. Yeah, a lot of big picture. And I think it's it's really helpful and a lot of people need that. It's sort of a motivation to get out the door. Races are canceled and they need something, something that still inspires, something that points out that running is still important, running still matters. But we also need some practical advice on how to actually do this in the environment that we find ourselves. Exactly. So we've come up with nine tips for you to run in quarantine, social isolation, social distancing, sheltering at home, whatever you want to call your current situation right now. On Instagram, I keep calling it hashtag social distance running. You keep calling it hashtag an introvert dream. Well, yes, there's also that. <laughs> like, oh, you mean I can't go out and interact with everybody and hug people that I'm uncomfortable hugging? Great. <laughs> I love that it's also giving you another way to connect to our oldest, who's mm-hmm. also identifies more as an introvert. And the, the two of you, I think, have connected very well on this level. It's like, what am I supposed to do with my sister? She's laying on top of me. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. We're going to figure this out. <laughs> okay, so... Let's jump into it. We've got nine really great tips for you guys today. And uh, we're going to start with number one, exercise in public places, but not crowded places. Yes, because you always want to avoid the crowd. It's hard to be socially distanced if it's crowded. I know one of your favorite running spots, the path along the beach, is a fairly wide path. Mm -hmm. But its numbers, well, a little bit reduced, are still a lot of people that are getting out and exercising. There's a lot of people in South Florida who really love this path along the beach. And on a normal Saturday morning, you're like constantly passing people. Like the whole like polite runner's wave of you as you pass somebody, you can't even do it because there's so many people that it throws off your running form. It's reduced, but you're still constantly seeing people out there. So probably not the best spot for social distance running because you're constantly weaving in and out of people. Right. So I actually did venture back out there last weekend. So for the past month, I have been avoiding it, even though that is typically my Saturday running route. I always go down and I run along the beach. But I have been avoiding it. I've been running from my house and just doing more local long runs on Saturdays. And so last weekend, I really was missing the beach. And I just wanted to see the ocean and see the sunrise. So I decided to go down there. And I don't think I'm going to be down there anytime soon because it was so crowded, like you said. And it was, I would say, about the same, if not even a little bit more. But it was just, you're so much more aware of those people on the path. And when, whenever I've run there before, there's always been walkers and runners and whatever. And if you get close to people, it's not a big deal. But I just found myself like, I honestly ran in the bike lane 
on the street for a majority of that run just so that I could try to stay away from people because you don't want to get right behind people you don't want to get too close if you're trying to weave around people there's a lot of old people in our area that are out there walking with masks and stuff on that are walking slow and kind of give you dirty looks as well which I I tend not to really pay attention to because if they want to get mad then they really shouldn't be out on the path you know but at the same time I did find myself weaving a lot more than I normally have to and it was just was uncomfortable being there I didn't enjoy it right so around us we have a path that's actually remarkably wide um, that they just recently repaved for so Mm -hmm. it's a nice paved path that you can pass and if one person's all the way to the left the other person's all the way to the right you're roughly six feet apart um, because it's it actually happens to be a really wide path and then next to the path there's like um, maybe 10 more feet of really kind of packed down grass. So mm-hmm. you can pass people at a pretty good distance, which which is really nice. So if you can find that kind of area, that's super helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, running on like paths, more like um, park type paths, more secluded paths, they're great um, if another person knows exactly where you're going to be. Because you, you can't just say, okay, I'm going to go off on this path where there's not going to be anybody because that doesn't seem like the safest idea Um outside of the coronavirus right like just heading off into the woods and being like eh, i'll be back eventually is not really the safest way to go for a run mm-hmm. out through wooded area in the first place right i mean many parks are closed right now anyway because they want to discourage a lot of people gathering and using those paths because then it's just going to be large groups of people that are all trying to use the same path and that doesn't seem like a good idea but like kevin said there might be some secluded trails or paths by you and that might be a really great time for you to maybe explore some new areas and kind of get out and find trails or paths that you haven't explored before it can be a really great thing but like he also mentioned safety should still be your number one so there's always safety in numbers but if you're running solo you don't have a running buddy that you're going with make sure someone at least knows where you are and you let them know when you leave and when you plan to be back and then if they don't live with you if they don't notice when you're back call them you know like have some sort of accountability that you can set up when someone when you leave when you get back so that people know that you're safe if you are going out to a quote unquote, more secluded type of area. And if you are in that kind of area, make sure that you're not running with headphones on, even if you are listening to the Real Life Runners podcast, or just run with one in versus Mm -hmm. two, um, because you want to be aware of your environment, especially if you're unfamiliar with it, make sure that you're safe. Okay. So either don't run with your headphones and just run listening to everything around you, or just at, at a minimum, put one headphone in and take one out. Right. I mean, I like, especially if it's more of a secluded path, there's there's a loop through a neighborhood by us that I'm still running up and down sidewalks, but early in the morning, it's there's no cars in the area. Mm-hmm. It's quiet. So I don't like running with headphones. They don't fit in my right ear. They fit fine in my left. They don't fit in my right ear. So I would just hold my phone and play music or a podcast or whatever I want just right out of the speakers of my phone. And then I've played at a fairly loud volume, but I'm not running like right past anybody's house, mm-hmm. just the way the area is set up. I'm running like out on the outsides of neighborhoods and stuff like that. And if I pass somebody, uh, sometimes 
I'll hit pause or I'll turn the volume down a little bit so I don't like freak people out. But the other thing is, if it's right around dawn when I'm doing this, besides just the sound of my footfalls, it also kind of warns people ahead of time, hey, there's another runner coming. So then you can help sort of realize that there's another person coming and make sure that you're trying to maintain that distance between the two of you as you as you pass each other. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, tip number two, when running along a road, use a sidewalk and a bike path to safely pass others. You pointed this out, that right. if the path is remarkably crowded, slide out to the bike lane so that you have some room. In our neighborhood, there is a path, then there's some grass, and then there is the road. And there's not a bike lane, but it's just sort of our quiet neighborhood. So I do a lot of my running in the road through here, mm -hmm. because if there's cars coming down the street, it's going to be a car right and they'll usually weave around you they usually. will and there is less traffic now too because much. people aren't going to work as much people aren't commuting so there is a lot less traffic so if you're running in a residential area in a neighborhood type of setting you probably won't see that many cars so that's the good thing as long as you're not on a, a major busy road or highway you can probably find those roads that are not busy, you know, that you can run out in the road. And if you do run out in the road, make sure that you're running towards traffic, okay? You should be running against traffic so that you can see the cars coming from you. I know that this is something that tends to freak me out. Like if I'm running in the same direction as traffic, then I kind of get nervous because I don't know if a car is coming up behind me. Does that car see me running along the side? Do they, are they on their phone? Like you never know what's going on. But I know that if I'm running on the opposite side of the road and actually running towards the cars that are coming at me, I can at least see them. And I can tell if they're going to kind of pull wide and make a little bit of room for me or if I need to then jump onto the grass until they pass by. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a good thing. I mean, that's a good rule of thumb at, at all times is if you're running in the road, you always want to be running towards the cars so that they, it, it's a better chance of them seeing you and you seeing them. Um, when you're running along and you're going to pass other people, please reach out and give a friendly greeting. Like you don't need to get close to them and high five the other runner. That's not advisable right now, but you shouldn't ignore the other runners out there. We're all out there as a running community, all trying to do our thing in a safe way as possible. And for the most part, we're all just stuck in our houses. So when you get out, just a simple hi, a wave. I passed a guy twice on a bike the other day and he had his mask all up on his face, but he gave me a little like ding ding with the bell on his bike. Mm -hmm. Both times I passed him. And I think he was smiling, but it's tough to tell because he had a mask on. So instead of being able to like smile and wave, he kept his hand on his handlebars safely and gave me the bell. That's how we're able to communicate. That's how we're able to still stay as a community and reach out friendly towards the people around us. Yeah, because I've noticed it kind of going both ways depending on who I'm passing. I feel like runners will typically run and wave and smile at other runners, mm -hmm. but some of the walkers are not as friendly because a lot of the walkers out there they have just started this new walking yes. habit during quarantine and, and it hurts yeah <laughs> well not only that but it's all they don't really understand the social you know interaction with other people out on the path at the same time and a lot of them even get annoyed that by, there are other people trying to exercise yeah, at the same time you know and i'm like really like you know but Hey, to each his own, I suppose. And everybody is dealing with this in their own way. And you can't put any sort of judgment on other people. No, I mean, if other people are out there doing their exercise and they're giving you a funny look. Good then, for them. Okay, just kind of give them some space and keep on going with your run. Well, I'll usually just even become more 
um, friendly. Wanna, friendly. Yes. I was going to say obnoxious, but like friendly. Just, hey, how are you? You know, like and just go even more out of my way to say hello to them. Yeah, I mean, but pe- not main. You know, not bursting their little six foot bubble. Right. No, you can't burst their bubble because no. that's gonna that's gonna throw that's some people off. That's inappropriate. Yeah. Um, but you know, you keep your distance. You smile big because people ask like, oh, should we should we run with a mask on? That sounds awful. Yeah. Like that just sounds really difficult. So maintain some distance with the people around you, and then you know, then when they see you coming, you can smile and give a nice wave. Like I've, I do this all the time as I pass people. When I'm out on a run, I smile, I wave. I usually get a pretty good smile back, Mm -hmm. but I basically now treat every other runner or walker or whatever it is as though they have a dog with them. Mm -hmm. So I give them the distance that I would give as though there was a dog on a pretty decent leash. And I don't trust that that person's holding the leash really well. Like that's, Like people are like, oh, well, how do I know how far six feet is? Pretend they have a big dog. Give them that much space that you're not sure how far that leash is actually going to stretch. That's probably enough distance. Yeah, that's a good, good rule of thumb there. All right. Moving on to number three, run solo or pair up if you must. So obviously social distancing is easiest as a solo runner. If you're out there by yourself, you can do these things like you, you can Make sure that you're maintaining that six feet on the path. When you come up to people, you can pop off into the grass. You can go into the bike lane. That's easier sometimes if you're a solo runner. But if you really can't run alone, if you really don't feel safe running alone, if you really just need some sort of interaction and your running buddy is also maintaining good social distancing in the rest of their life. Like I have still been running with my running buddy like once or twice a week, but I also know what she's doing. You know, I also know that she is staying home. She's not going to work. I I know what her circle is limited to. So I can trust her in that way. And so that we can basically know that we're each being responsible outside of running. And then when we, we, we do run. It's just the two of us. Okay. Um, when you do run, if it's just a a pair of you, it is best to run next to each other, but not very close. So like you said about the local path that we have, we run on that path a lot and we're literally on the opposite sides of the path. Like I'm all the way to one side. She's all the way to the other. Right. So you're still running next to somebody. I, I passed some people this, this morning and they looked husband, wife, or, you know, some, they, they clearly, they lived together. Like they were off for their, their morning walk or whatever it was. And they wanted to give me some clearance on the path and they weren't sure how to pull that off. Like they were like, do we walk next to each other? Should we stagger? I don't want to be right behind them. Should we just stop and give them some clearance? So I hopped it down into the road and gave them a wave from like 50 meters away. So we're like, don't worry, I've got this. You guys stay on the sidewalk. (laughs) I'm going to give you a wide berth and we're going to be fine here. But there was actually, you found this really cool article about like how to run with other people. Can I just say though, I, I, I just want to point out like the awkwardness of some people when like it's really pretty entertaining sometimes like I've gotten quite a few chuckles on my runs when I do get up on people and like they really don't know what to do it's like they're a deer caught in the headlights like oh no there's someone else coming what do I do you know like it's pretty it can be kind of entertaining (laughs) like every every once in a while there's I caught somebody the other day (laughs) and they didn't 
they were they had their headphones and they weren't paying attention and i i saw them coming and i saw that they had headphones and so i had a plan of how to get around them but in order to jump out onto the sidewalk and not like run through what i saw as a mud puddle but they didn't see as a mud puddle i was going to have to get somewhat close to them nowhere near the 6 feet but i had to clear this puddle before i could like break out into the street mm-hmm. and they kind of got this sort of like it's the same reaction that happens when I'm running down the path and there's a squirrel in front of me right. that they like <laughs> yes. they quickly jump to the left, then back to the right. And then they just sort of like freeze for a second, right. like unclear what to do. And that squirrel always chooses the wrong one. And it's like, wait, right as they're like one step away, yeah. then they run straight into the street. Yeah, and, and it's like, this is not a safe move. Yeah. And then you feel like you're going to trip over the squirrel. You're like, just make a decision for goodness sake. So yes. Okay. Running next to each other at a safe distance is ideal, is the most ideal. And you brought up this article that I found. This article was a really cool thing um, about how far away you should be from someone else if you're running like in a single file or if you're running like behind someone else. Because I know that when I run in pairs or even in groups, like when you're on these crowded pathways and you approach other people, usually I'll just tuck right behind, you know, I'll tuck right behind my friend and we'll just run until we pass that person or that group. And then you kind of resume your side by side positioning. So this article that I found, and we should link it here in the show notes, um, talked about the science behind how far behind another walker, runner or biker you should be. Right, which was really fascinating, because it was basically the same sort of studies they do about like, the benefits that a cyclist gets from being tucked in behind another cyclist Mm. or literally in any race, like a car tucked in behind another car, it's drafting. You want to be into somebody else's slipstream for your most efficient running. Like it's super easy if it's a breezy day, even if it's not a breezy day to be tucked in right behind another runner. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that's the worst place you could be in terms of trying to keep your social distancing. Mm -hmm. Side by side is actually really nice. You can be somewhat close like you can probably be closer than that six feet distance side by side because even if you're talking the air that you're you're putting out there by the time you say those words is already 10 feet behind you behind you like you're you're going Um, or for some of us five feet depending on how fast we're running depending on your speed (laughs) but they uh they had this cool animation the thing where it's like almost all of of the air that you're putting out basically hits you in the face You know, because gravity hits it, it starts dropping. So it hits you in like the chin and your upper chest, almost all of it. Mm -hmm. And then what doesn't sort of shoots around your face and just sort of wraps around your body and sprays out right behind you. Directly behind you. Right behind you. Yeah. So if... If you're running in a single file, you need to be way more than six feet behind the person in front of you. Mm-hmm. At normal running paces, they suggest that like you should really be closer to like ten feet behind another person mm-hmm. to make sure that you have that that full distance. If you're Is it ten feet or ten meters. It was 10 feet. And then if you were cycling, then it went even farther than it was like... Right. I think it was more like 20. Yeah. It was like 20 to 30 feet, depending on Mm -hmm. how fast you're going. And at certain paces, I think they were like, really, you shouldn't be within 50 feet of another cyclist if you're you're actually tucked in right behind them. Yeah. So they suggest instead of being directly behind somebody, go behind them and off to the side. Right. And it could just be a little bit off to the side, but if you're not directly behind them, the likelihood of you actually catching any of their germs or their wind is pretty low. Um, And I think that that's a really important thing to think about because when you're running, you're facing forward, right? And if you are even chatting with your friend, you don't usually even turn your head that much. You're usually just 
talking out loud and you're talking forward. So the likelihood of you actually sharing wind or sharing germs between you if you're running right next to each other is very low. Right. But if you're if you're front to back of somebody, like if you're running in a single file, you, the person in front is spraying their germs, their breath or everything, mm-hmm. and then it's hitting the person who's directly behind them because that's how the the wind works. It literally right. wraps around the front runner and then sprays out directly behind them. So if you're running behind and even just a step to the side, yeah. all of that air that's kept wrapping around the front person completely misses you. It mm-hmm. slides right by your side. You're basically not getting anything coming mm-hmm. off of that person in the front. And if you're far enough back, so here's a question for you, Mr. Scientist. Sure. If you're far enough back, because like you just said, it, when you looked at the illustration, it's the germs and the air that you breathe out kind of drops down to kind of hit you in the chin and the chest, right? And then some of it kind of wraps around you. So if you were, say, five feet, six feet behind that person, most likely that's going to hit you lower. Like, it's probably not going to hit you in the face. Would would that be a safe assumption? Well, yeah, that's the thing is the front runner, almost all of it's hitting them in the chin and chest. Right. So if you're a few feet behind, it's going to hit you in the waist at best. Okay. So you're probably not even inhaling a lot of that. No, but it's hitting you where your arms are. Okay. So then if it hits your arms and then you wipe the sweat off your face or touch your face, then it can spread. Bingo. It's not Uh directly hitting you in the face. It's actually hitting you in the hands that you're using to wipe the sweat off of your face. That is an awesome point. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. Awesome. I love that. Okay. So that's if you're actually running with somebody. If you don't feel comfortable even considering those guidelines to actually run with that person, what you could do is you could start together and say hello, six feet away, and then you each go off on your run, and then you meet back together and say hi again at the end of the run. So that's that accountability. Okay, maybe you meet in a, a parking lot of a gym or whatever it is. You go, you both go off on your run. You're not right next to each other. So to do this, you don't even have to be running with someone that's the same pace as you. No, you literally just have an accountability partner. Yeah. It's like, hey, let's go for a 45-minute workout. One person could do three miles. One person could do six miles. Mm-hmm. You're just saying, hey, we're going to go run for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Say hi at the beginning. Say hi at the end. It's an accountability thing. And that's... And safety too. You know, you you have someone that's making sure that you're there, that you're starting and that you came back safely as well. Yeah. Which is huge. I mean, that's one of the big things that you want out of the community running is the accountability, the safety, that social aspect. You see somebody at the beginning of the end. If it's a hard workout, you're probably not having deep conversations with that person in the first place. Mm -hmm. But you could both finish a run, grab your water bottle out of your car and you could stay like a parking space apart. Like that's one of the things we do at the end of our runs like she'll get her water I'll get mine I'll be on that parking curb and she'll yep. be on the other parking curb and we'll just kind of talk about how our run went that day but we're so far apart that there's no chance of having the germs spread that way or at that time right I re- it's it reminds me of a, a picture that I saw of like you know pictures from the coronavirus this week and it was a group of five high school students that were all parked in their high school parking lot because mm-hmm. it's a big empty parking lot and all the kids had like their little SUV or they borrowed the family SUV and they were all had opened up the back of it yep. and were just sitting on the tailgates yeah. just chatting in their school parking lot mm-hmm. like really well spaced out but they were kind of looked like a little star formation that they yeah. created there all just chatting with it because they hadn't seen each other. Mm-hmm. No one was trying to get close. No one was trying to hug and things like that. But they just wanted to see each other. Right. And I, I've even done that with my mom. Like we ro- drove over to my mom's last week and the girls and I sat in the back of my SUV. I popped the, you know, the 
door and we just sat in the back my mom stood in her driveway but it was at least a way for her to connect to us and the grandkids so that would be a good thing and if you don't want to meet someone in person or you don't have someone in person that you can meet call an accountability partner before your workout and then again after your workout okay text them have someone call you at 6 a.m to get your butt out of bed you know i know that there's (laughs) been there's been friends of mine that have needed that that have said like hey i need somebody to call me this morning to make sure that i get up and get out the door and so having that accountability having someone that you can turn to that will provide that accountability for you is a really important thing for some people yes so run solo if you can pair up if you must but having someone else even if you're running solo you can still run with other people even Mm -hmm. if you're not physically running with other people you could call them you could meet up before and after like there are ways to pull this off right and then talk about your run afterwards with the people that do understand it so those of you that are in our face our real life runners tribe our facebook group go in and post your runs i think like there's been a lot more posts recently a lot more posts. you know because people need to feel that social connection and even if it's virtual even if it's online it's still there and there are members of the tribe that are all over this country literally all over the world that are cheering each other on like and asking hey how did that race go or how did that virtual run go or how did your workout go today because they know that the other person was scheduled to do something that day. And so you have that accountability. And so if you do want to become a part of our Real Life Runners Facebook group, you can go to realliferunnerstribe.com and that will give you the link to the private Facebook group to sign up because we've got an awesome community in there. All right, moving on to number four. Tip number four, remember your strength days. This is one of my favorite tips. This is definitely one of your favorites. <laughs> I put this in here special for you, but also special for people who are in parts of the world that are on more of a full lockdown. Yeah. Because depending on where you are in the world, depending on where you are even in, in the U.S., there are different levels of lockdown. Mm-hmm. Some people are uh, shelter at home unless you have to get out for an emergency. The, what emergency constitutes varies right. from place to place. Some places you're allowed to exercise, that, that counts as a valid reason to get out some places you're not Mm -hmm. in france they actually put a limit that you you cannot exercise between 7 a.m and 7 p.m because that's the nicer time of the day and so it discourages people to exercise in clusters Mm -hmm. if you're exercising in like early morning or late night you're more likely to be doing this solo Mm, that's interesting so depending on where you are and what availability you have to actually get outside and run some people might not be able to like I know that one of our tribe members recently went from she flew home from the UK back to Lithuania and she was on a mandatory two-week lockdown where she could not leave like a self-isolation yeah she had, she had a, a room right she wasn't allowed to go run so if, if that's you strength training yoga these things that you can do in a small space where you don't actually have to leave are hugely important for you. And those of you that say, oh, you know, I don't like strength training or I never find time for strength training or I really needed to work on my strength training, like you don't have an excuse anymore. No, you really don't. If you're trapped in a room and you can't go out and run, that time that you would normally be spending to run, you now have that time freed up for you. You can do your strength routine. There, There is time now. Exactly. And so... There are lots of different strength routines that you can do with no equipment. So you don't have to think, oh, now I have to go buy dumbbells and kettlebells and a weight machine and all these things, right? You don't need that. Like you could buy some bands if you want to. That's a really cheap and easy um, way to get some resistance training in. But there's a lot that you can do with just body strength, you know, body weight training, like burpees, push-ups, planks, side planks, 
bridges. Like there's a ton of different exercises you can do that don't require any exercises or require any resistance um, or weights or anything like that. And strength routines can cover the full body. You can alternate between upper body one day and then lower body with one day. And then you can do a, a day that like has a more cardio based workout, like a HIIT workout where you're doing more dynamic full body exercises to get your heart rate up. So you can alternate your strength days and you can really have a good variety without the running if you're not able to run. Right. If you're completely unable to run, there is still plenty of exercise options for you that that can include the cardio base. Are we suggesting that you can do marathon training without actually going out and running? No, but you can still stay in really good shape. And you can. it's not just, oh, well, I'm just going to build up strength and then my cardio is going to be completely shot. Mm-hmm. You can do strength routines that, that have very little rest, that are full body strength routine that you can get through that really gets the heart pumping. It's different than going out for a run, but it still gets that cardio benefit mm-hmm. that is going to be beneficial for you. Right, and if you've never done high interval, high intensity interval training before, which is that HIIT training, you can gain some really, really good benefits by adding that into your routine. Like you might even find that you like it a little bit and that you want to continue with that when you are able to run again or when, you know, just figure out how to add that into your routine because the benefit of HIIT training, which is like the more cardio based stuff, you can do those kinds of workouts in a much shorter amount of time. Like they don't, you don't have to go out and run for an hour. You can get some really amazing cardio benefits with like 15 to 20 minutes of HIIT training. Yeah. I mean, you've done some of these workouts over the last few weeks. Dripping. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) staying inside an air conditioned house, 15 minutes of workout, 20 minutes of workout, and you're just, you're drenched, Mm -hmm. breathing really hard, like exhausted and spent, got clearly a very quality workout out of that and used little to no equipment and did Mm -hmm. not leave the house. Exactly. All right. Number five, understand the surface that you are running on. So if you are used to running on a treadmill, the sidewalk is now a new thing. It's different, right? If you are used to running on the sidewalk and you don't have the access to that anymore, maybe you're trying to find these trails, like understand that these surfaces are different and your body might need some adjustment time. Right. Anytime you're changing from predominantly running on one surface to something else, there are differences involved. The treadmill is super smooth. You are pretty much locked into going in a straight line. Sidewalk, you have to sort of control that you're going into a straight line. So that uses more lateral stabilizers. It's still a very flat surface, but it's different than the treadmill. It's also way harder than the treadmill. Mm -hmm. So the impact on your body is different on a sidewalk. It's different on a street. A street, as much as it seems really hard... Uh, to your your body, it is not as hard as a concrete sidewalk. Mm-hmm. Like a paved road, an asphalt, like asphalt road yeah. is is softer than than a, a concrete sidewalk. And then you go to like a packed dirt trail, that's that's softer than asphalt. And you take it all the way to like a bark chip trail or like softer trails, more technical trails. Like you've got to be aware of mm. the surfaces that you're on and what that's going to do to your body because they are all going to do different things to your body. Exactly. And that's 
very important to know because you might be more sore after your run and that would explain why. So if you're more sore, you're like, I don't understand this. What's going on? I'm just running the same distance. But if you're doing it on a different surface, it's going to be much different on you. Same thing for people that are used to running outside, but now have started running more inside on treadmills because they need to stay home with their kids. You know, they're now homeschooling their kids so they can't get out. So they have to have a treadmill now. Treadmills are a lot different on your body than when you're outside running. Right. It, it literally messes with your form because if you're used to taking that long stride out in front of you, um, you're going to step on the front of the treadmill. So mm-hmm. it, it chops the front of your of your running form, which for some people might actually be a good thing. It right. might help fix their running form. Um, but your form will likely be altered on that. I know a lot of people hate running on treadmill because they punch the screen in front of them. <laughs> so again, this will probably actually help your running form long term because if you have good running arms, you're not actually punching the screen in front of you. It, it's not a it's not an issue yeah another thing to be aware of is if you are like running on the side of a road or new sidewalks or trails make sure that it like you notice if it's a banked surface or not like make sure you can see if that is a flat surface or if it's like slightly angled up or down because if it is banked either the the road or the sidewalk make sure that you're alternating sides so that one leg is not always on the lower side because that will lead to imbalances in overuse and possible injuries. Oh yeah, I had that issue flare up in college where I had a couple of loops that I loved from my house. Loved the loops. I knew where the water stops were along them. It was great. And I always ran them in the same direction. Mm -hmm. And after like three weeks, my hip on the one side was killing me and I couldn't figure out what it was. I'm like, I haven't increased mileage. I didn't change anything. This is totally normal. And I realized I was doing the same loop and my right leg was always down every single time. Mm -hmm. And when I changed it and would flip every other day to running it clockwise versus counterclockwise, the pain just went away. There you go. Because you rebalance your system. Okay. So moving on to number six, what if you are short on time in this time right now, you might find that you have more time and some people are finding that they have a lot less time with all the new responsibilities that they have. So if you're short on time, what should you do to make sure that you're maximizing the effectiveness of each of your runs? Well, we already covered some strength routines that you can do the full body hit kind of workouts where you have a really short time window and you can really mm-hmm. get in a quality workout. On a running workout, um, change of pace runs, mm-hmm. continuously changing your pace. Think about the worst way that you could drive your car for fuel efficiency. And it's like one of the ways to rapidly improve your cardio is that constant fast, slow, fast, slow within a run. Mm-hmm. So that also allows you to practice different effort levels that also increases that afterburn effect, which is another benefit of the HIT workouts, that high intensity interval training, the afterburn, right? You burn calories while you're doing it or you burn energy while you're doing it. But then when you challenge your body in this way, you basically create what's called an oxygen deficit. And when you create that oxygen deficit, you then have to replenish that oxygen later after the workout is done because your body just can't keep up with it okay and this also happens when you do interval workouts or effort-based change of pace workouts in running as well right so even though the the run itself is done and you've essentially gotten your you know calorie burn or whatever uh, you know term you want to use for that energy burn energy burn you're still literally burning calories your metabolism 
metabolism is raised for a while after this sort of change of pace workout mm-hmm. or the high high interval high intensity interval workout it it just keeps you going and well quite frankly it's probably more entertaining than just going out on that same five mile loop that you've been on for over and ever yeah and that's one thing that people are complaining about right now too is that monotony right every yeah. day is like groundhog day and everything is monotonous it's the same i need i'm so bored with my routine i just go out and do the same thing every day you can do this and you don't need structure to it like you can put structure in if you want to do two minutes on two minutes off or one on one off you can put some sort of structure onto it but you don't have to you could just pick up the pace and like say from this stop sign to the next stop sign you can go faster and then resume your easy pace again you can change it up you can do easy medium hard and just kind of change the pace throughout the run and you're going to find that you're probably going to be more tired at the end of the run even if it was only a 20 minute run versus a 40 minute run because of all of those different changes yeah that kind of like I'm just going to run really quick until I get to that tree is one of my favorite ways to come back after uh, a long race mm-hmm. and try and reintroduce speed is instead of worrying about specific times and anything like that is or even how long I'm going it's not like I'm going to go medium pace for two minutes it's literally just like all right I feel like I could get at least to that tree and then I'm going to recover until I think that I can go again exactly all right moving on to number seven what about watching your kids okay some people now have no child care right and they are working from home they're trying to homeschool their kids their kids are just around all the time and so you need to still get out and get your run in right because of the physical benefits because of the mental benefits because you just need time by yourself possibly the benefits of getting out and doing your run we've talked about okay so what do you do if you don't have anyone to watch your kids or maybe you only have someone to watch your kids for a little bit of time what should you do right so if you have no one maybe your kids are old enough that they could hop on a bike and they could keep up with you on the bike which is awesome which is fantastic and um well it's a little tricky if it's a crowded area you know go back to the beginning of the episode where it was like find find a place where you're a little more off by yourself Mm -hmm. if if it's you and and your kid biking along together you're you're not going to want to be like weaving down a sidewalk that's not going to work very smoothly Mm -hmm. um but if a kid can bike with you that's super helpful um you, if you do have a kid biking with you, you're probably going to want to keep it more of an easy run depending on how old your kid is, how familiar they are with biking because let's face it, some of the little ones can only go for a short amount of time which in that case could work well with an interval-based workout like we just talked about in number six like where you do like a sprint like okay, we're just going to make it to that tree and then we're going to take a little break You know, so you could do it that way. Um, you could also just go for an easy run and see how far they can make it if it just stay close to your house in case you might have to cut it shorter but then what you could do is also cut your run down a little bit and then have your kids join in for strides and drills which are really fun and kids actually love doing these kids love running drills it's it's a game like okay now we're gonna do marching and now we're gonna do butt kicks like haha you said butt like it's (laughs) it's funny so like and the drills themselves are kind of entertaining and like kids will skip Mm -hmm. and you know you as much as I take pride in my a skips and my quality of them like (laughs) it's an kind of an interesting thing to do in your neighborhood or in like a path near your neighborhood or whatever um but if if it's you and your kids out there now now you're just out there clearly playing with your kids it's a whole nother form and and then drills become just this fun playtime thing strides Mm -hmm. are just it's an enjoyment of hey now let's see how fast we can go this yeah it's a race it's a race like we were timing our kids in what I estimated as the 40 yard dash 
stash out in front of our house. They loved it. Yeah. It's fun for everybody. They love doing it like twice a week now and they keep trying to beat their time every time, you know? So it's just a fun activity. If and only then, they could be as fast as Britney Spears. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kevin's referring to a, a Twitter post or an Instagram post or something where she was jokingly talking about how she broke the world record, essentially. Well, yeah, she had, she was working really hard to get her 100-meter dash down and normally she, she runs it... Six. Yeah, normally she runs it in the 11s, but then she started running consistently in nines and she had finally broken six, yeah. which was weird because the world record's like nine and a half. For a man. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> anywho, so doing strides and drills are a great activity that you can do with your kids. And not only is it good for you as a runner... And you will get benefits from that in your running. But it also is just giving you time to connect with your kids too. And your kids are like, oh, wow, now I'm doing mommy's running stuff with her. Daddy's running stuff with him. So it it helps to break down that barrier as well. Because I know that when I... When our kids were little, it was really hard for me to get out the door because I had that mom guilt. It was really tough because every time I went to go run, I literally had children clinging to my ankles saying, mommy, don't go. And so there was this disconnect and I worried that running was going to be something in their head that took mommy away from them. And so by integrating your kids into your strides and drills at the end of your run, you're bringing them into that world. And so they don't have to then see it as, oh, if mom's out for a run, that means she's not spending time with me. They now get to become a part of that and you get to do what you need to do to continue on your running journey. Right. I mean, I love that our older one is now old enough to, that she can keep up with me on the bike, yeah. which is super helpful. And she can go for a long time too, um, which is helpful if um, if it's really hot out or something like that is uh, if the kids are riding a bike, you can totally make them carry water in their basket. Oh yeah. It's the best. It's awesome. Yeah. She's like a mobile water station. And then when she goes out with me, she also brings a speaker because she likes to listen to music as well. <laughs> so then I don't need headphones and we just have like a speaker in her little pouch on the front of her bike so it's wonderful all right moving on to number eight if you have extra time on your hands now right there this might be someone else like we just talked about if you're short on time now what about those of you that might have extra time on your hands all right so this this one's a little tricky there's a lot of people that are like oh i've got all this extra time i'm quarantined i'm gonna get in the greatest shape of my life in the next week they're injured. Yeah, this is the problem is they went so big mm-hmm. and like oh, I'm just I'm going to go all in on training. There's still some basic rules that you need to follow. And I saw people posting this up on social media and every time I read another one I got worried that it was another injury waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. There's some basic rules. There's the 10% rule for increasing your mileage per week. per week. So if you have 10 miles a week, you could safely get to 11 miles the next week. Mm -hmm. It's a slow build. And yeah, it's a gray area. It's it's a rule of thumb that people go by. It's a convenient rule. Like some people can go more than that. Some people have to kind of pull back from that. Mm -hmm. If you're already at like 50, you might be able to jump from 50 to 60 instead of hitting 55 in the middle of it. But Mm -hmm. it's a good rule to kind of base things around of is try not to go much more aggressive than, um, than 10% per week. Or if you're really low mileage, maybe you could increase two miles a week. You Mm -hmm. go from 10 to 12. Like I realize that's more than 10%, but it's not a huge increase. Don't go from 10 to 20 Mm -hmm. and then 30 the next week. That's just ramping up to too fast and it's setting yourself up for injury. Right. Because let's face it, 
this whole quarantine, social distance, stay at home thing is already difficult. So you don't want to ramp up too quickly, get injured, and then not even have this outlet at all, right? So if you're injured and quarantined, that just sounds like an unneeded extra burden on yourself. Like all of a sudden, not only do you not have your outlet, now you also have an injury that you're dealing with. And then you're going to have to deal with coming back from that injury. And and you just don't want to do that. So while it might seem like the best time to get in the best shape of your life, just continue to see this as a journey. This is another step. It has freed up some time, which is fantastic. And that's going to help you to establish that consistency that you need moving forward. Yeah, that consistency. One other thing on the uh, this extra time, besides just the fact that you could add up some more mileage, you have time to put in more mileage. You got to be careful building that up. If you're like, oh, well, I can do all this speed work that I've never really done before it's very, very difficult and kind of a little dangerous to try and build up both your mileage and your intensity simultaneously. Mm -hmm. So if you've never done speed and now suddenly you're doing two speed workouts a week, that's not also the time to start adding in extra mile every single week. It's it's a bad combination. It is. And so when that going back to number six, if you're short on time talking about change of pace workouts, you don't want to do that every single time because that's hard on the body. That's a higher intensity workout. High interval intensity training, high intensity interval training, HIIT workouts are also harder on the body, especially if you're not used to them. Okay, a lot of this has to do with your experience level with all of this as well. Can you add a little bit extra? Yep, absolutely, sure. But just be careful, okay? You know, choose mileage, choose duration, or choose intensity, but don't do both simultaneously if you can help it. All right, moving on to number nine. This is where we're going to get a little bit more big picture. And this could be a little bit difficult for some people right now, but it's a good thing to start thinking about. So number nine is create a goal. Because without races in the near future, we need different goals to focus on. Just because you don't have a race doesn't mean that you should just be floundering right now. You can choose a goal, but it could just be a different goal. Yes. I like that you use the word floundering. So many people feel like they're floundering in so many other areas of your life that they don't have control over anything. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I'm supposed to be working from home, but this isn't working. I've got this technical issue. You're in control of a lot of things about your running. There's still some that, that is out of your control. Like there are some paths maybe that you like to run on that are shut down. It's tricky to social distance on the path that you want to run on. It, you have to run at certain times a day. There are some limits. It's getting hot out right now. It's getting hot out. Mm-hmm. There are some different limitations on it and there aren't races coming. And so many people, their key for motivation is that next race. Right. This really opens you up to try and figure out a bigger picture, a different goal for you to go on. It opens you up to be able to experiment Mm -hmm. and try and figure out what else you could run for what other areas besides just that 10k coming up that 5k that marathon in a few months like whatever it is instead of that what else could you try to do because there's lots of areas to focus on right so other areas that you could start to create goals is number one consistency right you could create a consistency goals like I am going to run X number of days per week or I am going to run X number of miles per week. That could be your goal, right? Like you don't have to have a race on the schedule to say I'm going to commit to running 
15 miles a week or 20 miles a week or four days a week because it's good for me because that will make me a better runner because that will prepare me for my next race when races open back up again yeah when races open back up again start the consistency now if you can be consistent in this crazy world imagine how you can consistent how consistent you can be when normal routine comes back exactly so consistency might be a good goal your speed might be a good goal sure you don't have a race on the calendar what about if you just went out and say you know what I want to see how fast I can run one mile like we have somebody in our tribe that's doing that that she wants to see she wants to PR in her mile she wants to get her mile down to a fast time because that's what she wants to do right now right because it seems exciting because it seems exciting and you don't need a race to do that like it's going to be a little bit harder and if you're not in a race to hit a goal time but That's going to show you something, right? Like that's going to show you how difficult it is on your own if you're capable of that. You may or may not be, but look at it as an experiment. Maybe you're shooting for that. You might not achieve it and that's okay because what did you do just to try to achieve that goal? You're closer to that goal now than you were three months ago, two months ago, whenever you started the process. Right. Maybe you want to try and focus on building for endurance. Maybe because you always have a race on the schedule, you always seem to be focused on that next race. You've never tried something that was extra long. You could try to work on slowly building up your endurance to run a race of a distance that you might have never thought even possible before because you were always running like a 5K every two to three weeks. Mm -hmm. So you were always a little bit tired from that race that you never had that time to build up to a half marathon, a full marathon. Mm -hmm. You've got time. You could start building this crazy base right now without a race on the horizon right and that's one of the things we talk about with our cross-country kids all the time is that their race season of cross-country is between august and november and we tell them every single year your the success that you're going to experience in your season is going to be largely based on what you did over the summer (laughs) so what you do between april may and august do you build your base do you get out there multiple times per week and run consistently we don't have them running every single day but they need to be consistent they need to be building their mileage because if they can come into cross-country season where we race a 5k you know every week or every other week a 5k is 3.1 miles but if you if they were able to run consistently over the summer and build that base up to five six seven eight miles think about how much easier it's going to be to run 3.1. Like that's already a huge mental advantage that they're getting. And then when they have that endurance base, then we can really work and hone in on their speed during the season. Right. The workouts that you can do, if you can already run eight miles, then you can do five miles worth of speed work. If you can only run three miles, it's hard to do three miles worth of speed work because that's as far as you can possibly go. Right. And you need a warm up and a cool down. Right. And so, suddenly you're doing a mile worth of speed work are you going to really be running your three mile race as fast as you possibly could Mm -hmm. so this downtime right now without a race on the horizon does allow you to reevaluate and to choose a new goal so just because you don't have a race doesn't mean you shouldn't have a goal so think about what makes the most sense for you and then start working towards that right now Okay, so that wraps up our nine helpful tips of running during quarantine, social distancing, stay at home, whatever you'd like to call it. 
If you found this helpful, we encourage you to please screenshot this and share it on Instagram or Facebook, wherever you like to hang out on social media. Share this episode because we really think that these were some helpful tips that can help a lot of people and you as our tribe can help us spread the word. You can help share this to other people so that they can get the same benefits that you're enjoying. So please screenshot this, share it. If you click on your podcast player, there's that little share button that looks like a square with an arrow press on that and you can text message it to someone, you could email it to someone, you could just screenshot it, like I said, but share the running love and help us to grow the tribe of like-minded runners just like you that are all out there running and trying to make their lives better through running. Yeah, I mean, we're all stuck in in houses right now, but we're still a running community. So let's still be a community and let's expand that community as much as we can. Absolutely. So that's a perfect segue into one of our favorite segments, which is our runner of the week. Woohoo! And everyone loves it when Kevin does that. (laughs) So this runner lives in Pakistan and actually recently PR'd his 5K solo on a virtual run, which is awesome. Yeah, because PRing yourself on a virtual run is really pretty difficult, especially like flying solo. It's trying to hit a hard workout knowing that the entire thing is all just on you. Yeah, and he is one of the very active members of our our tribe. He's always there to share his own runs and also to support everybody else along the way. And I love seeing the posts from the different scenery that he posts. And today he just put up a a post of like his refreshing after run drink which looked delicious i'm sure it was yeah he's he's very very positive in in everything that he's posting out there very connected and trying to to reach out and make everybody else feel connected and happy as well yeah and he's also a doctor so he's also on the front lines of this covid pandemic and so thank you armugan for everything that you're doing to help take care of other people and then also maintain your running to take care of yourself. So without further ado, Armugan Khan, you are the runner of the week. Woohoo! All right. So we reached out to Armugan and let him know that we had chosen him to be runner of the week, and this is what he said. Thank you so much, Kevin and Angie, for choosing me as runner of the week. Last time, This time last year, I was badly out of shape and had developed horrible eating habits. I wanted to get back into exercise and get healthy again for myself and for those around me. I saw a quote on the internet that said, The best workout is whatever you can consistently get motivated to do because you actually enjoy it. The first thing I thought about was going for jogs or runs. So I decided that this is what I needed to do. And so I started going for runs again, and I just began feeling better and having a positive outlook to life in general. I started looking out for running quotes and podcasts to keep me motivated with this running lifestyle. Then I bumped into the RLR podcasts, and they were exactly what I was looking for. I was taken away by their positive mindset and approach, especially when I heard Kevin's story about how he reached, how he recovered from his setbacks and how running helped him feel strong again. It really struck a chord with me. So I signed up on the RLR website and also started doing their strength workouts and take part in their challenges and virtual races. Also, the RLL Tribe Facebook became my go-to place. Seeing others and their runs also keeps me motivated and reminds me to plan my runs. My My running journey has been a slow progress over the last 12 months, but it has been an enjoyable one, and I'm glad to share it with the RLR tribe. That's awesome. I love that so much. And quite frankly, 
your progress should be a nice, nice, slow journey, nice, slow progress. That's how you know that it's actually going to be sustainable and that you're going to be able to do it for years and years and years. Yes. That's the most sustainable way is something. I mean, I love that he points it out. The the best workout is the one that you're going to be able to consistently do because Mm -hmm. you find it enjoyable. That's the best way to get success is you just keep going. You know that that forward progress keeps going. Absolutely. So if you would like to join our Mugan and the rest of the Real Life Runners Tribe in our Facebook group, you can head over to realliferunnerstribe.com. And if, when, as soon as you sign up there, we will send you the link to join our Facebook group. Come join us, okay? It is a super fun community filled with runners just like you that are out there doing their thing, running, and trying to make themselves into the best versions of themselves. Yeah, it's a great group full of so much positive energy. So come and join us there. Again, that's realliferunnerstribe.com. As always, we appreciate you. Thank you for spending this time with us. Thank you for sharing this podcast with other runners that you think might benefit from this information. We appreciate you. This has been the Real Life Runners Podcast, episode number 136. Now get out there and run your life.